Hey everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fanfiction. Each episode, the three of us each bring a fic to discuss, and this is not a themed episode, so we're on our usual format. Reed, you're up first. What's your fic for this episode? I've brought A Needle, A Thread by Jabralis for the fandom The Queen's Thief. The pairing is Costas Kamet. Nick, what did you bring this episode? My pick for this episode is R slash Severed by AO3 user Curtain Call, which is a genfic for the TV show Severance. Brenna, what's your fic? My fic for this episode is 10 Degrees Below Zero by Kianspo. Uh, this is a fic for Star Trek featuring Kirk and Spock. So the last few episodes, we have had themes or birthdays that we have discussed in our intro. Uh, this episode is sort of just back to our standard format of discussing three fics from different fandoms. Um, so we thought it might be nice to just do a sort of check-in with your hosts, a sort of state of the pod. What are we up to? What are we enjoying in terms of media outside of fan fiction? Um, and sort of just catch up and offer maybe some, some recs or some non-recs, perhaps, of other things we've been consuming. This past Christmas, my brother gifted me the ability to play hit acclaimed video game Baldur's Gate 3, which I've been sinking an absurd amount of hours into. Um, it's a game I knew I was going to enjoy, and I've been enjoying it immensely. And I started it around the same time as Friend of the Pod Sharpa, and now Brenna also has the game, and so the three of us have a little group chat where we are constantly talking about Baldur's Gate, <laughs> um, which is very fun. I have this issue that many of my friends have. I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's some like ADHD, neurodivergent, who knows problem where I will get very far into a video game and then be like, mm, too much of this, put it down and like, will not beat it for a calendar year. I am going to beat Baldur's Gate before it's a calendar year, but I got to act three and there are so many quests that I have to finish and then so many more. The last time I played Baldur's Gate, I was trying to find a quest marker for a quest that I was on. I walked into a house, got a new quest, and was so fed up that I reloaded my save to before I walked in the house and just turned the game <laughs> off. I was like, stop putting things in my journal, please. Um, so I've temporarily put down Baldur's Gate in favor of Persona 5 Royal, a game that I started playing last year, got about 97% of the way through, and then Tears of the Kingdom came out and I was like, I'll come back for you, Persona 5, but then I didn't. So now I'm like, now's a great time to finish this game, except I don't remember what I was doing because I'm in the end, end, end game. So I've started a new file of that instead, and I'm sure I'm going to abandon that file in favor of coming back to Baldur's Gate soon. But um, lots of video gaming happening in my area. Also... Been reading some books. Frankly, a lot of middle of the road or duds. I have not had a very auspicious start to the year in terms of reading. The one book that I did read that positively bangs, um, I'm not much of a romance reader, but I did a couple weeks ago go visit Nick and Brenna and some of our other friends. And while we were all out for dinner, um, I got accosted by everyone at the table as they told me which romance <laughs> books I should read. It was literally like everyone yelling and then going, no, 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 my pitch, my pitch. We had to like form an orderly line and go one <laughs> at a time. Um, yes. And the 
I say the book that ended up winning. That's not necessarily true. It was the book that was available in Libby and the one I was most interested in reading is You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by A Quick AMSA. Slapped. By and far the best thing that I've read this year. It's so good. I am hoping that soon I experience the joy of reading a book again instead of what I'm currently doing, which is like miserably slogging my way through the end of this book that I refuse to DNF because I'm like 80 plus percent of the way through. Yeah, I feel like... Those are the big things. Video games, mediocre books, and also my recent trip to see you both, which was so lovely. I had so much time by the seaside, which Brenna has like espoused the joys of on the pod. And I, I knew the joys, but I got to kind of like live the experience because I was quite literally living with Brenna for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was wonderful. Yeah, I have picked up Baldur's Gate 3, as Reed stated. I'm in my hashtag gamer girl era. Um... <laughs> this is a game that I, I did think I would enjoy, um, but I was also hesitant because, to be honest, there are just a lot of games I've tried to pick up thinking I would enjoy them, and I'm just bad at them, which obviously like decreases my enjoyment by quite a lot. Um, I think the fact that this game, the combat is Dungeons & Dragons based, has helped me so immensely because... Like, there has been a learning curve for sure, and I've been texting Reed and Sharpa being like, how the hell do I, like, optimize this character? He's useless. Sorry, that was about <laughs> Asterian. I couldn't figure out how to, like, make him deal damage. I've gotten... It's better now. It's better now. But there was a period where we were at level five, and I was like, Asterian, you have to go back to camp. <laughs> um, but it just has made me feel proficient with the game in a way that I have enjoyed so much. Like, I feel like I can actually get through it and I haven't been like, I just like to restart fights and stuff, but like, there's just the prospect of, of actually succeeding, which sometimes video games haven't had for me. Also, towards the end of last month, I uh, did become unemployed through reasons that were not my fault, um, but the fault of a company deciding to do a massive downsize. Um, and then I was like, what if I entered my gamer girl era <laughs> yeah. with all my free time? I think I've done a pretty good job of not just playing Baldur's Gate constantly. Um, I did have like one day where my roommate was out of town and I was like, what if I played Baldur's Gate for eight hours? But other than that, I think I've been managing my time pretty well. Um, but I have really been enjoying like being decent at a video game and like getting actually making progress. <laughs> um, I've not been reading as much as I would like to be. Honestly, I am such an audiobook girl. And with my new state of being unemployed, I sort of haven't had the same time to do audiobooks as I did with my previous job. Um, and I can't listen to an audiobook while I'm like writing cover letters. <laughs> That doesn't really work. Uh, so that I haven't been getting through as many books as I want to be. Um, and I also have been experiencing a lot of middle of the road reading experiences. I did just finish Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby, um, which is a thriller that really banged a huge amount of trigger warning. So don't just blindly go into that book if there's stuff that you're sensitive to. But like, wow, it was good. So that was exciting. I have definitely been watching a lot of television. Um, and also, yeah, job hunting. If anyone out there is hiring <laughs> and you think, wow, FitClick host Brenna would be a good fit, um, hit us up at fitclickpod at gmail.com <laughs> and let me know. That would be beautiful. Wow. Uh, yes, I have also been having some media time, though not a ton. Um, opposite of host Brenna, I'm currently onboarding at a second job. 
brag about it. Why don't you? <laughs> oh, I'm having so much fun, Reed. I would love to brag about how much free time I've had and how little stress it has been. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, but I just mean this last week has been a little bit chaotic and it will continue to be chaotic. Before that, I was having a real, not to also be a gamer, but kind of a gamer moment. First, with playing some games, I finished Arcade Spirits, which is a visual novel like dating sim that I had started forever ago. It was fun. And then I played Changeling, which I had also gotten at, from the itch.io uh, racial justice bundle in 2020. Wow, what a game. It's, is that the it's one with giving... the character named Brenna? Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's really mean. She was mean. And she also turned so into a sorry. cat. And then back from a cat. And then into a cat again. It was like following me around. And also she, as a cat, was the pet of like the other high schooler who's a vampire. It was a whole thing. It was, it's a paranormal romance visual novel with I learned a lot of bad endings. Oh. Boy, can things go wrong. It's good to save. I learned. <laughs> I ended up dating the... Uh, headless horseman high schooler with heterochromia mm. whose head kept falling off at inopportune times because he didn't have enough control over his fey powers yet. And wow, Oof. I couldn't figure out how to get a good ending with him. Like, I got a neutral one, but I wasn't together with him. I was like, he doesn't want me. Whatever. <laughs> what can you do? Um, I just don't uh, have the chops to flirt with men anymore. <laughs> Aside from playing games, I've also been watching an obscene amount of Hitman playthroughs. I discovered the Hitman speedrunning community on YouTube and have been, wow, learning a lot about this game. Um, what a game. Iconic. I tried to find a fic for it for the pod and was unsuccessful. I went through like the whole tag. Ficklets, if you want to write Hitman fic, hit me up. <laughs> I will read it. I will be your fan. Because no one is doing it. Or at least no one is doing it the way that I want them to. So whatever. What can you do? Aside from that, I have been reading a lot. Um, I am on my 16th book of the year, I think. Oh, wow. Or something bonkers like that. Yeah, I'm currently reading Rouge by Mona Awad and loving it. Um, I feel like most people I have seen online found it disappointing, and I think literally all of them are wrong. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also very up my alley. I've had a great reading year, honestly. I have enjoyed almost every single book that I have read this year quite a lot. I feel like I've been killing it at my self-curation. I recently read The English Understand Wool, which is like 60 pages on ebook, <laughs> uh, and I would recommend it. Very weird. Go in not knowing anything, but it was a fun one. That's my recommendation, Ficklets. And I'm watching Love is Blind. Oh, and I watched um, Nana Tour 17. The K-pop group 17 went on a show, and they went to Italy. And it was so beautiful. And I watched all of it, and I had a lot of feelings, and I gave Busungwan the entire world. Thank you so much. Um, that's the bulk of my, I think, media consumption lately. Yeah, I did also just remember one other thing I did, which was watch all of the Yellowstone spinoff show 1923 <laughs> in about yeah. one day. So if you want the spinoff podcast, that's really just like one episode where I talk about my thoughts on the various Yellowstone franchise TV shows. Um, yeah, let me know. <laughs> I, I really yeah. do have thoughts. Uh, you like do that and I'll do one on the Hitman game trilogy. Okay, yeah. And the lore and the speed running. And also, like, its place in American politics today. Not Hitman, Yellowstone. Oh, um, not, <laughs> not Hitman. <laughs> oh, a collective gaming experience that the three of us had also with our friends is um, 
part of my trip out to see my co-hosts was it was Nick's birthday and we met up with a bunch of friends and we spent most of that day playing various board games, but we also watched a video about Tetris. You're t- talking about speedrunning yeah. reminded me mm, that we watched this so like, true. Mm-hmm, video about the evolution of like, um, oh my God, I can't remember which version of Tetris, if it's for the NES or what, but an older version of Tetris and like beating the game and then like getting the game to crash on you and all of these interesting things that are happening in the Tetris community. That sounds like a joke. It's not. It was a very interesting video. No, it was great. I thought you were going to mention how we played our 100th session of Dungeons and Dragons. We did also I thought play... you were going to mention GeoGuessr. <laughs> <laughs> or Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. <laughs> so true. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is such a fun game. And it's especially fun when you're reading out loud and then you decide partway through that um, Wiggins just has like an inexplicable, <laughs> vaguely Midwest Texan accent, um, but everyone else is British. It's really good. Yeah. Some of us can only sort of do a Texan accent. <laughs> so I did also watch the GeoGuessr World Cup. That is really important to my media experience recently. It gave me a lot of feelings. I was rooting so hard for this one guy and he did. He, he won. I was really excited. I was like, wow, look at him go. We were puzzle champs. We did a lot of gaming yeah. when we were all together, now that I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. We did have our 100th D&D session, which was so exciting and good. I miss those days. It was like two weeks ago. <laughs> I also like, miss yeah. it. It feels way longer than it that, It feels Reed. way longer. <laughs> You're telling me. I've been to a different state since then. <laughs> yeah. I'm back. Um, I do have somewhat of a retraction to print. I guess it's not print. I'm speaking it. Last episode uh, was like a Valentine's Day romance trope themed episode and I brought breakup makeup and I said that it's a trope that I enjoy but it's not necessarily one that like makes me believe in love. But I was reminded this past weekend that um, there was this tweet that was going around a while ago that was like, oh, if your parents were a romance trope or like a, a tag on uh, AO3, what would they be? And my parents are breakup makeup <gasps> um, <laughs> because they were together and then my dad had a job where he was traveling a lot and my mom was like, I am living a New York City life and I'm going out on the town and I'm not waiting for you. Amen. And then obviously they got back together and and all was well. So I don't know that that example across the board makes me believe in breakup makeup as like the shining pillar of love. But there is one example of... um, We wouldn't have you without breakup makeup. Exactly. that's really something. (laughs) How beautiful. So we've all enjoyed a lot of games, TV, other forms of media, but Kamet only has scrolls. How sad. (laughs) My fic this episode is A Needle, A Thread by Jabrailis for the fandom The Queen's Thief. The relationship is Costas Kamet. We've done two other Queen's Thief fics on the pod, but in case you have not listened to those episodes or you are unfamiliar with The Queen's Thief, it is a YA fantasy series written by Megan Whalen Turner that pulls a lot of its inspiration, I think, from sort of like ancient Greco-Roman vibes. I don't know if it is based off of a particular area, but it is fantasy. Um, So all of the lands and stuff within it are entirely made up. Across the six books, um, we get a variety of POVs, but kind of a central cast of characters and players. And the characters from this fic, Costas and Kamet, um, are the people that we see most in book five, Thick as Thieves. In that book, Costas, who is from the kingdom of Atolia, was sent by his king, Eugenides, to go to the enemy empire of the Mede and steal away Kamet. Kamet being someone who was enslaved from a young age to um, a man named Nehusaresh, but he also has a secretarial position that puts him in a lot of power, which is why 
Kostas and Eugenides want to take Kemet away to sort of unroot power from the Mede Empire and from this particular man, Nehusaresh. They spend a lot of that book running away, returning to the Aetolian Empire for safety, um, and then they are sent away to a kingdom of Roa to sort of subtly spy on and keep an eye on the Mede Empire. We don't know a whole lot of what happens to them when they're in Roa. They're just, like, gone for a large chunk of the story, and then they show back up in book six, like, hello, we come bearing information. This fic plays out a sort of hypothetical of what their life was looking like in Roa in a very slice-of-life sort of domestic view, which feels weird to say in a fic in which there are plots and politics happening. But it is a quiet fic in many ways, which is not something I think I usually gravitate towards, but it really worked well for me in this fic, and I really enjoyed it. As far as content warnings go, apart from what I mentioned about the enslavement and the nature of who Kamet was before this current point in the story, the only other thing to mention is that there's a little bit of canon-typical violence with canon being a YA series. It is pretty tame. This is a series that Brenna introduced me to last year and I absolutely loved and I had gone poking around the tag for host rec exchange and had this on the back burner before I brought the fic that I did and it was really lovely to return to it again a couple months later and be reminded of why I enjoyed it so much. I really like these characters. Their relationship is so interesting. I think this fic did a lovely job portraying it. The prose was beautiful. I had a great time with it um, and I will turn this over to my co-hosts to hear their thoughts. I really liked this story. I have not read any of the Queen's Thief books, Ficklets. I am with you if you have not. If you have read them, then I'm not with you. I'm sorry. We're just different. Uh, but I really enjoyed this. I think it definitely is followable, especially if you kind of look up a little bit more about their story or you have read one of the previous fics that we've done on the pod. I didn't have any trouble following kind of what was happening. It's a pretty small cast of characters. I found it to be a very convincing story in terms of the ship. I was like, yeah, they're made for each other. Amen. Done. Solved. Um, <laughs> I loved the POV. I've said this before with Queen's Thief fix. I don't know what it is about the Queen's Thief fic writer community <laughs> where they're like, we are going to be so grounded in this character's POV and make really smart formal choices about how we're writing to reflect that character's inner world and experiences i'm like so true thank you so much for doing that because it makes me go ah. i have some examples so look forward to that later ficklets um yeah i just really really enjoyed it i think this is such a great example of slice of life done in a way where instead of being kind of like just straight fluff or curtain fic where like not a whole lot is happening and that's kind of the point Instead, it highlights sort of the ex the most extraordinary moments out of people's ordinary lives, and that is very lovely. So I'll have more to say soon, but overall, this one was a banger. And my last note in my little notes that I took just reads, why did this shred my gourd? <laughs> so true. <laughs> why indeed? Let's find out later. Yeah, I also had a lovely time with this fic. Um, as you probably know if you've listened to Fit Click before, I really enjoyed my reading experience of the actual books within the Queen's Thief series. Um, and I think there's been some really banger fix that we've been able to talk about for it. Like Nick mentioned, I think uh, some of the people who have been writing for this fandom, like it just feels very rooted in the world of the Queen's Thief in a way that I've really, really enjoyed. And I think this is no exception. Um, I think I'm not necessarily surprised that people who are writing for Queen's Thief are very good at writing very like tight character POV prose. Um, but 
it is impressive nonetheless. I think that's something that I really enjoyed about the books is like how close you stick with particular characters in each book and also just like how one sentence can sort of change the whole shebang um, and make you like realize something that was going on. And I think fic writers have really like taken that part of the Queen's Thief reading experience. Um, so yeah, I, I found this absolutely delightful. I really liked being back with Costas and Kamet. I think these were excellent characterizations. I really like a Costas POV moment. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to get into like the plot of this. Yeah, something I was thinking about when I was reading this fic is that I feel like fic written from a book canon can hit so differently because you have sort of an established tone and writing style for this canon in a way that you don't necessarily for something like a TV show or a movie. Like when you're looking for something that feels sort of in character or true to the world and the canon for a movie, I think you're seeing that more in like dialogue and in character actions and choices in that way. But the writing style itself, I think, can vary a lot because that's like not the format in which you are consuming the media versus a book I think is a lot harder to feel like you are really rooting yourself in that canon but we have for a couple different book fandoms brought some fics that I think really do it so so well and just I think it's so satisfying when an author really nails getting right back into that tone in a way that this author did this is an author that I read some Marvel fics for long long ago in my fandoming and so when I saw their name in the tag, I was like, AO3 user Jabralis, I trust you implicitly, even though I haven't read a fic by you in probably a decade. And I was right to do so. I think their prose is so tight and so lovely and really did a lot for that world building and setting that both of my co-hosts were talking about. Also, the last Queen's Thief fic that we talked about in the pod was Costas-centric, but it's where he starts in Roa and then leaves to go back to Atolia and do things for Eugenides. And I think I talked about this on the pod, but when I had started that fic, I was like, hee hee, Acostas Kamet fic, I like these two so much. And then um, I had completely missed the tag that was like, this is not, this is a gen fic, this is not Acostas Kamet fic. <laughs> and that fic was wonderful and I really enjoyed it and what it was doing. Um, but I did really like being able to sit in a ship fic for these two because the only other one I had read was the one that Nick brought for the pod when none of us had read this series. <laughs> so now I'm like ready to appreciate Kostas and Kemet with um, the full force of my enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah, the last fic that we did definitely did orient me a little bit around, okay, what does it mean for them to be in Roa together? I don't know why. Maybe one of you knows. Every time I read the word Roa, my brain goes, oh yeah, the extinct bird. I don't think so. <laughs> What? Like, I don't think I don't think that's right. So I don't know why <laughs> that's what my brain is doing. Uh... Well, a, a quick Google search <laughs> of the word Roa gives me return on assets ROA. So that's not giving no, 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 extinct no. bird or the no. Roanoke Blacksburg Regional Airport. Um, that's probably not it. I'm not getting bird. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, maybe the figlets. Oh, know. there was an extinct bird called a moa. Oh, oh maybe that's close. All right, well, <laughs> I did really like how much of this story is about these two people who have kind of had extraordinary lives up to this point, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Extraordinary to me, someone who was never a soldier or like a secretary or living in medieval Greece, question mark. Like, that's kind of wild. Um, but the two of them settling down and just doing their thing. They have a little squabble at the very beginning of the story about goats. By the way, the pacing of this is so good. I need to just mention this now. I felt like it started at the perfect moment. Like they're talking about the goats and they're like, oh, we have to get the goat. No, what are you talking about? We don't need a goat. The goat will protect you. It will bleat if there's an intruder. 
like okay fine i guess we'll get a goat the goats come back at the end and it's a beautiful full circle moment uh, but i just really liked how grounded we got into the setting immediately i felt like this was a very like setting oriented story i could see well not well because my brain doesn't really do that i could imagine aspects of their house together of the cliff of the fence they had to redo so that it wouldn't pen the goats in and cause them to not have enough grass like there's so much loving attention to detail not only by the author but by the characters of this story to the home that they're making together and that was just really beautiful and tender i think especially with two guys who tend to be uh a bit acerbic towards one another they're not like, oh, honey, can you fix the fence? Like, of course, darling, here I go. I have fixed it. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for your efforts. That's not really the dialogue in this story. <laughs> so that contrast was really nice, too, because you get to see how much happens through their actions in terms of the development of the relationship throughout the story. Yeah, can we talk about the goats for a second? <laughs> yeah. Because I love the goats. Um, not so much as the goats as care like they they don't get a lot of like screen time where we get to know the goats personally and learn their personalities. <laughs> um, but the the goats are sort of what they stand for in this piece of fan fiction. Um, so Kostas at the beginning sort of just buys a goat, and like we don't really know why he's done it he seems to have done it somewhat unthinkingly um but also trying to be like a nice gesture for Kamet, but he like didn't he, the goat doesn't necessarily like, have a strong purpose and then he's like maybe it's for like milk and yogurt but then the, the goat is a male yeah. goat so that actually doesn't really work out um and Kamet's sort of rolling his eyes and then Kostas buys two more goats who both are female goats and then they do start having milk and yogurt and cheese and other good things from the goats and everyone's happy with the goats. Um, and then later on, a like kid in the town wants to buy one of the goats and they're both sort of like, <laughs> like the These fuck? are our family pets. <laughs> yeah, they're like, get away from my goats. Thank you. Um, and then at the very end, that same kid from the village kind of comes back and is like looking yearningly at the goats again. And Kostas is like, again why the fuck do you want one of our goats and the guy is like i'll never be able to buy my beloved three goats let alone one goat and costas is like oh shit goats are like a marriage currency here <laughs> um and then they confess love so thanks to the goats for helping with the love story i just i think it's beautiful how there's something about kosas and Kamet that i feel like makes fan fiction writers be like and what if they were married but they didn't know mm -hmm. it <laughs> yeah we're two for three on fix of the pod in which they accidentally enter a marriage in the region they're living in because they're unfamiliar with the custom <laughs> <laughs> and yet just present themselves in such a married couple sort of way um which i do feel like is is just my favorite thing Thing. um it's very our relationships like i gave my yeah. best friend <laughs> an accidentally large goat dowry <laughs> what do i do yeah so real um i didn't know goats were a marriage dowry help <laughs> i have realized that i've been in love with him for a while but i haven't said anything is it too late now that we are sort of married i keep staring at his strong hands as he tends the goats <laughs> <laughs> the whole town thinks we're married because of goats but i didn't know <laughs> am i the asshole <laughs> <laughs> we've moved from reddit chips to am i the asshole <laughs> sorry <laughs> i went in a different reddit direction this is foreshadowing for yeah. next fic <laughs> yeah no i love the way that their relationship 
plays out over the fic. Because when the fic starts, as I mentioned, their book is about them escaping the Mead Empire. It is full of many perils and adventures and encounters with gods and getting to know one another and getting close and all of these things. So they've already built up a very strong relationship with one another, um, but it is not romantic. And fairly early into the fic, Kosis is just sort of like looking at Kemet and he's like, ah, I love him. And then it's like, oh, when did that happen? Yeah. I don't even know, but it is just like a truth about me. May I? Oh, please. But he wondered now if everybody saw, if it was written outwardly too, and the swing of his arm and the lunge of his sword. Costas lived in his body and his body must have known. In love, in love, in love. <laughs> it is so good. And uh, there's something about this fic, even though this fic is only 9K, like the pining and the yearning in it, it's it's just like kind of threaded underneath this level of admiration and trust that they have built. It is so good. There's a scene where um, part of what they're doing as sort of like undercover spies for the Aetolian kingdom is they are reading letters from the duke of this region. And Kamet is sort of walking Kostas through how he's doing so. And he's like, don't worry, like no one's really going to notice that I'm faking the seals on this. Like nobody in the temple is going to look closely enough. They will see what they expect to see. And Kostas thinks, Kamet, who would have stood behind the throne of the Medes. And then Kamet says, I'm not ashamed of these skills. He peered at Kostas's face intently. They will see what they expect to see. Like, they will see what they expect to see the second time in italics. And that, like, perspective flip made me feel ill <laughs> because it felt so, first of all, so fucking clever. Again, I think the prose in this fic is phenomenal. But also, it felt so indicative of the way that they view themselves and each other. Like, Kostas is sitting here admiring Kamet, thinking about, like, how Kamet would have been this person pulling the strings at one of the most powerful empires in the region. And he is here in this tiny little countryside home in Roa, their little spy missions. And Kosas is just full of admiration and Kamet is afraid of being judged for who he is. And I'm just like rattling the bars of my cage. Mm -hmm. I, oh, the first time we talked about the Queen's Thief fic on the pod when none of us knew anything, we asked for a neutral librarian to be like, <laughs> are these two people in love? I don't need a neutral librarian. I'm sorry. I've already made my decision. It doesn't matter. Uh -huh. Like, I need a biased librarian who will tell me, yes, 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 <laughs> yeah, yes. We are just the biased librarians now. <laughs> Textually, even if they're not like in gay love, they love each other and care about each other mm -hmm. so much. Like, Costas did not have to go to Roa with Kamet. Kamet is just like, okay, I will go to this region by myself. And Costas is like, anyway, I'm ditching my guard position and my king who I care about so much and my family so that I can go do this with you. Ugh! Mm -hmm. I just think this author did such a good job of playing out their relationship. Because you hit a point, too, where you can tell that it is, like, fully reciprocated by Kamet, but neither of them are really saying anything, and they're just having all of these tender little actions towards each other. And I just... I care them! Yeah, I mean, you said, like, okay, Kamet could have been the one pulling all these strings for this, like, massively important empire, but now he's here in Roa. But, like, he's also not not pulling strings mm -hmm. for a massively important empire, and Mid-Atolia is, like, more of just a kingdom and not an empire, but it is a kingdom trying its very hardest to stay independent and not part of the empire, um, and therefore accumulating power to do so. And Kamet is, like, part of that mission. And... Okay, admittedly, when I read this fic yesterday, I had a really bad headache and lost the plot a little bit, which was not the fault of the fic. It was the fault of my headache. Um, <laughs> but I really did enjoy the scene where Kamet is sort of confronted by a powerful duke um, and he references back to the... Um, 
two gods that like their story is threaded throughout the book of Kosis and Kamet's like adventure. And in fact, we believe that Kosis and Kamet met these guys in a fashion. Um, but Kamet references back and is like, have you heard songs about Enakar and Inakuk before? And Kamet is like, yes, but have you heard the song about the daughter of Inakar? And the duke like, this is how Kamet, like, plays the game by, like, inferring all of these things through these, like, legends and these songs. And then Kostas later is like, uh, so, like, what was that about? <laughs> and I just felt like all of that was, like, very well done and, like, very Queen's Thief to me. Like, it felt so grounded in the way that, like, these political games are being played in these books. And, like, I think it's very true to sort of Kamet's personality, but it also feels very true to like sort of the game that Eugenides is playing with Atolia. And I sort of took this as a symbol, even more so of like Kamet sort of allying himself with Atolia, mm -hmm. like more firmly, because I feel like he's very much like, okay, this is what my life is. But I think Kamet has a very hard time, especially in uh, the book where we meet them, Thick as Thieves, like he has a very hard time sort of wrestling with his identity in terms of like what sort of nation he belongs to and what his like role is in this world. Um, and although he might like, might not have an allegiance necessarily like to the Mede empire, he like really struggles with like being allied with Atolia and like being Atolian in any sense. And so I feel like him doing this through this story in a way that like really reminded me of Eugenides. I don't know. I really like that as well as sort of like, I think showing me the ways subtly that like Kamet is still very much himself and yet he's also like changed. I have to talk about Kostas and embodiment and emotional intelligence. It's really important. <laughs> The quote I read previously about him realizing he's in love and wondering if people can see it on him and feel it in him. The last bit there was Kostas lived in his body and his body must have known. Uh, and I wrote, Kostas, a soldier who is used to speaking with and through and alongside his body, treating his body like the wealth of emotional knowledge it is, in all caps. Because it's so good that the ways that he comes to understand himself and how he's feeling, how Kamet is feeling... Like, what is happening between them and between other people? All of it is related to Kostas reflecting on what is happening in his own body. And that makes me want to scream positive. Because it's so smart and it's so effective, both for who he is as a character and then also for what thing I think this fic does really gorgeously, which is the classic adage of show, don't tell. Um, I pulled a different line to kind of give that example. The longing was like a sickness. He felt as if he were swaying on his feet, a sea underneath him, though when he glimpsed his own face, hazy reflected in the window, he saw that he looked perfectly calm. You so easily could have been like, oh, he yearned, but he didn't show it. <laughs> no one could tell. And it's like, sure, we can do that. Or we can get so connected with the way that Kostas understands how he's feeling, which is literally through like understanding what's happening with his body, what's happening on his face. What is he seeing? What is he witnessing? How does he feel in space? Is the floor moving underneath him? Like what is going on? It's so good. And it's so smart. And I think this whole thing is just full of really, really tight, effective prose the whole way down. It's 9k. It is a full and like intricate 9k. And I got so much out of it that I really appreciated. I feel like that with the physicality also says so much about the scene in which um, Kamet gets kidnapped. Yeah. Because 
the scene starts with Kostas thinking about how Kemet is better at him in like nearly all ways. And then he gets back to their home and he realizes immediately something is amiss. And Kostas snaps into the thing that he knows best, which is being, being a soldier. And the, well, yes, <laughs> but it's, it's seeing the clumsy tracks that the people have left because they are not Kostas or Mentieres and they did not know to like cover their tracks well enough. And it's going to find where Kemet has been kept. And I don't know, in a scene in which one of the two main characters has been kind of beaten up and is kidnapped, you would think like, it's not that it's not tense, but at no point was I like concerned for Kamet's safety because instead so much of the scene is about a sort of flashback to Kostas being who he is, that he has always like fought with every bit in his body. He disposes of the people fairly quickly and then it's immediately like care for Kamet. How is Kamet doing? How are the two of them existing in this space in this moment? Like you're really in Kostas's body as he is sort of tracking Kamet down and rescuing him. And yet so little of it is actually about the like being a soldier like it's about his skills but it's not about the like oh no the peril of Kemet being kidnapped it's like how the two of them are existing as people and the ways in which they I don't know embody themselves and each other as a relationship it is so good and smart this author is so good one more thing I wanted to bring up was we mentioned this fic was pretty slice of lifey I pulled a quote kind of related to that look at me pulling quotes I only did that for this fic this episode <laughs> but I did do it um, and it's uh, dialogue. So Costa says, To think I once thought that in Roa I might be bored. I find this village extremely hard on my nerves, Kamet said acerbically. I just love, I love that. It's so, I mean, it's funny, first off, of Kamet just being like, yes, I am being challenged. Because the village <laughs> people are constantly like, oh, we heard you're good with plants. Can you, like, recommend medicine for my sick child or oh you have a little bit of medical knowledge from your books want to help deliver a child into the world Kamet <laughs> does not but he does do it anyway yeah yeah it's happening and I just think it's really really cool to see the way that an author can bring in narrative tension and conflict and excitement in a way that doesn't feel either like contrived or like it has to be part of a greater plot I think the slice of lifiness to me is emphasized not by the fact that it's low tension because it's not necessarily i mean it is but it isn't you know but it's a lot more of the fact that these are just things that happen in everyday life and that they don't have to string together to make a specific kind of story because these are just people's lives that costas and Kamet have kind of bumped into and intersected with at this point in their own journeys yeah i was thinking a lot about the slice of life thing as i was reading because the three of us are not really fans of curtain fic or fluff, not to say that like we would never read them, but I think that is just not what the three of us gravitate towards. And so what I was kind of saying in my intro section that this is quieter than a fic I would normally gravitate towards, but I really loved it, I think is really embodied by what Nick was saying, that slice of life does not necessarily mean boring. I think your line about um, sort of these extraordinary moments in an ordinary life really rings true for why this fic hit so well for me and worked so well is because... There is a plot, sort of, that they are, you know, keeping an eye on the Duke and the general goings-on of the Mead Empire, but it's all of these little moments that have weight and movement and are telling us so much about the characters and their relationship, and it's not just sort of like, and they're in love. Like, I think there is absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying a fluff story that is a lot of what fan fiction is, and, like, sometimes you just want, like, a nice, cozy, feel-good fic, but I think all three of us are readers who like something to kind of sink your teeth into a little bit and this very much felt like a fic that was doing that despite the fact that it does have this sort of 
quiet, understated vibe or tone going on underneath it. For a relatively short fic, this author really packed so much in. We we did talk about the whole fic, but honestly, like, you're not in this for a reading experience of um, the big plot twists and the gasps. So I think if you are someone who's familiar with The Queen's Thief, I would highly recommend this one. Even if you're not, if you think you might be interested in a slice of life fic, and also to people who are in love, and also the romance of giving someone goats, you should read this. Yeah! The people of Nick's fic don't know what they're doing when they're at work. But I'd like to think that Lumen employs them to write more Costas Kamet fic. Nick? My fic for this episode is r slash severed by AO3 user Curtain Call, which is a gen uh, media, not really multimedia fic, singular media fic for the TV show Severance. I have not seen Severance ficlets. I watched two clips, though, on YouTube, and so I feel like I know enough to guide you confidently through discussion of the show and the story. In Severance, you, not you, the characters, <laughs> <laughs> the characters in the story, some of them, have what is called an innie and an outie, and those are both you. One of them is at work, and one of them is outside of work, and neither of them has any knowledge or memory about the other. I'm looking at Brenna as I say this, because she has actually watched Severance. I know a little bit about it, and you learn as you're watching the show that things at the work, at L Lumen's Corp, are a little bit dangerous and bad, I think. Ominous. Stressful. Ominous, for sure. Uh, very cult-like. A lot of the nature of their work, what they're actually doing, still isn't revealed to us in season one. They, they're doing weird things that we don't really know the purpose of. But, like, there's definitely an ominous nature to everything that is going on. Yeah, one of the clips I watched, the innie seemed to be in a lot of distress. And I went, oh, damn. That's unfortunate. This fic basically is like, what if all of these people, well, some of these people, and then some other people, and some OCs, and some people who don't know about it, and some people who do know about it, about getting severed, which is when you become those two different kind of people who don't know about each other. What if they were all on Reddit? What if there was a subreddit dedicated to this, and everyone was chatting it up as their outies, because their innies are not allowed to be on Reddit, I guess. That's a shame. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> if it's secretive. <laughs> you imagine it's like i'm at work what's up everybody ama sorry i'm just thinking about um how my transition was about them reading fic and i'm thinking about someone writing fic when they're an innie and then as they're outie they're reading fic and they're like this slaps <laughs> i wonder this is exactly <laughs> to my taste <laughs> That's i don't so funny. think innies like have access to the standard internet that would yeah. make sense so if it they would be didn't. tough for them yeah well, they submit it to the company and the company publishes it for them under different, like, suits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if it was their job, they could definitely get around it. If they were just doing it as, like, a hobby at work, it might be harder to get it out into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, good to know. Oh, but yes, this is a fic that is, um, the author says in their notes, like, use the creator style because it is styled to look exactly like scrolling through a subreddit. I don't use Reddit very often at all, but I was astonished at how much this looked like Reddit. Very impressive. Wow, the technology of work skins these days. <laughs> Highly impressive. It explores the world a bit further. It kind of dives into some questions that you might have from the outside. As someone who has not 
seen Severance but knows like a tiny bit about it and a couple things about some things that happen, I had a blast. I think this is totally readable as long as you just know the premise of the show. Then you're in. You're like having fun. I felt like a little detective discovering things. (laughs) I imagine that was different for Brenna as someone who already knows all of the things I was detecting (laughs) from having seen the show. (laughs) But it was very exciting for me. Um, And we always enjoy talking about media fix. I thought it would be fun to bring. Uh, I do not have any content warnings for this particular story. It references some things that are kind of ominous. There's nothing on page that is particularly distressing, I don't think. Okay, before I get more into my thoughts about this story, my co-hosts, who are Audis, I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) Do not assign me being severed. I do not want that. (laughs) Okay. Well, just checking. I don't know. I did not consent to being severed. It seems like it could be nice in theory. Well, but I haven't seen the show, so I don't know. Maybe it's really bad. <laughs> I, I've seen the show, and I'm like, why the hell did anyone agree? Well, because then you're like, I'm free. I'm just living footloose and fancy free in my world where I'm not working. Anyway, what did you think of the this fic? Yeah, so I have seen Severance. Um, It's been a couple years now. I watched it when it first came out, and unfortunately, season two has been quite delayed. Um, Apparently, it's in filming, but you know... <sighs> big sigh it's okay um we'll get it eventually um so i did go into this with quite a bit more severance knowledge i am also not someone who uses reddit much i have definitely looked at reddit um but it's generally because i like google something specific um generally like can x or y in this world like hurt me like at what point oh. is it too late to eat a tortilla that's been in my fridge <laughs> um when the people on reddit are like this is how long tortillas are good for and i'm like great and then i can feel my therapist telling me not to scroll on reddit any more than that and become obsessed about tortilla like fridge lifespans um and <laughs> i leave reddit uh but anyway that is to say that i am familiar with like the visual look of reddit and also like some of the like uh dark rabbit holes you can go down on reddit the the visuals of this are incredible um my a3 is just set to not have creator style on so i'm really glad that it said show creator style i also like glimpsed what it was gonna look like without creator style and i was like this can't be right <laughs> let me just click hide creator style really quick oh no oh no <laughs> yeah it is reminiscent of that one other time i tried to read something without creator style i thought it was just like really broken <laughs> my fic that was all tweets <laughs> yeah it was it wasn't good was so funny. i appreciate curtain call for putting that in there i needed it um because the creator style is really really incredible um like I wanted to be able to like click in more places and like see more of like yes, there was like same. a link to a BuzzFeed article and I like I was like trying to click <laughs> it. So yeah, I was just like incredibly, incredibly impressed with sort of the visual look of this and how immersive it was as an experience. Um, I also like didn't on first read exactly catch that like some of the main characters from Severance have made comments on this. I think there's three characters who made one comment each. I got that mostly from looking at the comments and then sort of going back and like checking for myself to see Mm -hmm. if I could like sort of just make sure I knew which comments, like, the people in the... Co- <laughs> which re- fake Reddit comments the people in the AO3 comments were referring <laughs> yes. to. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I definitely had a different reading experience with this than Nick, just because I sort of, like, have that experience of knowing the other side from the show of what these people don't know. Like, everyone here is obviously either, like, 
it's their Audi persona if they are someone who's severed or they're just someone who has never been severed and therefore never had access to like basically for Lumen at least there's like a there's floors of the company where the severed folks like work when they're in their sort of any state you like go down this elevator and during the elevator you sort of transition I don't really like have a better word for it but your brain like flips a switch essentially um so like having seen the show you like know kind of at least a little bit of like what happens on those floors and like what happens to the people when they're innies um so it's interesting to like watch everyone hypothesizing about stuff when you have the experience of like knowing Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's stuff that you definitely don't like you know one of the questions on here is like what would the experience be for like someone who has kids to like be a severed employee like that is touched upon in the show because one of the comments in response to this is a character who has kids and that is sort of like a minor plot element in the show but it's not something that like you're watching a conversation between like hr and like an associate who wants to get severed asking questions about their kids and stuff so like you are definitely getting this sort of building out of the canon but yeah i definitely had a different reading experience than nick i think going into it with this sort of knowledge that you get from watching severance so i think we'll get more into that but um yeah i'm kind of glad in moments like that that we could have different reading experiences to like compare and contrast to one another yeah i feel like i thread a pretty good needle between the two of you um in terms (laughs) of reading experiences because i watched two episodes of severance When I briefly had access to Apple TV, but I'm not good at watching television unless I'm with someone else who is watching television. (gasps) I know it's not one of my skills, (laughs) Brenna. I'm so sorry. (laughs) We know this. It's just sad for me. Unless the TV show is Survivor, in which case it is absolutely my skill to (laughs) watch that on my own. (laughs) Um, Yes, I had like a free Apple TV trial and I watched two episodes of the show and I thought it was really good. I just like didn't finish watching it before. The trial ended, Um, but that gave me just enough knowledge to have a visual for the world and to be fairly apprehensive of Lumen as a company, but not enough to necessarily pick up, like, the references to the canonical characters. I think there's, like, a comment about um, someone getting to their car and their eyes are puffy. It's like, oh, like I had been crying, but they left a note that I was allergic to the coffee creamer. I'm pretty sure that was in the show because that really pinged in my brain is like, I remember seeing that. If not, then I saw a very similar type scene. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I don't know if it's exactly that or something similar, but there is definitely that's referencing something. Yeah. So I feel like, honestly, it put me in a pretty good position to read this fic yeah, and feel oriented. But also I was fine with reading it and knowing that I was probably missing some like canonical references. And I was like, that's okay. Like, that's not really the point of this fic. Absolutely agreed with my co-host that the formatting on this is wildly impressive. Like, even if there is an existing AO3 work skin, to be able to edit it and sort of manipulate it to actually function is so hard for those of us who, uh, well, between the three of us, it's just me. But for those of us who... <laughs> grew up like deeply on Neopets and would spend hours and hours and hours getting like (laughs) pre-made like HTML or CSS for your pet pages and then trying to edit it and then you want to put like a little image on the right side but you're doing the like div align right and it's not working and you're like please I'm looking up so many tutorials help I'm in crisis I have very rarely tried to fiddle with AO3 work skins but when I have they have been pretty difficult even with just a standard fic you write things in a word doc and then you do your little like I run it through a thing that like formats it for AO3 Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, why is the spacing on this so gronkered? Why did like, I'm just trying to make, have a text message conversation between people. Um, This is to say that I was also just so, so impressed 
by the formatting of this fic. I know that it takes a lot of work. So kudos to this author, literally. K kudos again. Kudos for the work that you wrote and then kudos for just like the styling and formatting. <laughs> Double kudos. Yeah. I did have the experience of getting to the end of the fic and thinking like, oh, that was really interesting. But I'm like a little bit surprised that there doesn't seem to be a sort of thread through these posts or like some sort of overarching plot connecting them. Like it was just genuinely an experience of scrolling through Reddit and getting a bunch of like disparate posts about different things having to do with being severed, which I thought was interesting. But like the type of reader that I am, I was like, oh, but I, I kind of like wish there was a connecting thread or something. But in opening this fic back up again for this discussion, I realized that one of the additional tags is world building, which is a new tag that got introduced to Yuletide, I think in 2022 when this fic was posted, where if you're unfamiliar with how Yuletide works, you get matched based off of specific characters within a fandom, but they introduced the world building tag if you wanted to just do exactly that and get a fic or write a fic that expands on the world building without necessarily focusing in on specific characters. And I think it makes a ton of sense that this is a world building fic. It like really helped me sort of reframe how I was thinking about the fic and my reading experience of it. I don't know what the recipient's like letter or request might have looked like, but I'm sure it was something along the lines of, you know, what do other people in the world think about people who are severed or you know, what if we only could get the perspective of the Audis or whatever it might be. Um, and I think this was a super clever way to develop world building within the canon and to present it as a fic. Um, I think it's a really effective use of that tag and the intention that Yuletide had by introducing world building as an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that particular kind of brand of fic like the Yuletide mods, including that, feels like sort of an identification of another subgenre outside of just relationship oriented stories. Uh, we talked somewhat recently about genre and subgenre and fan fiction. Uh, we were the blessed recipients of an incredible academic essay response from Ficklet Minna. Thank you, Minna, so much for doing that. <laughs> Iconic and amazing. And it definitely brought this back to the forefront of my mind this idea that, okay, there is kind of a genre of fic where not a lot happens. And that is sort of the point. Like we're revisiting a story and we're just trying to get back in there. It's it's capturing some element of the magic of that particular source material. It's diving into the world more deeply. It's like spending more time. It's expanding a moment. It's expanding the scope or the POV that you're looking at things from, the perspective. I love that. And I think it's really interesting because we were talking last uh, discussion about how none of the three of us really are people who gravitate towards fix that would be considered kind of plot light, at least for the podcast, because I find that often it's easier to discuss a fic where there are major events happening. Because <laughs> then it's like, and then this happened, and we can talk about it versus it can be a little bit more challenging to be like, okay, we have to really dissect the language and the choice of perspective and how that's happening. It's not impossible. But it's harder with a story that's this short, where it's like under 3k. And a lot of that is like formatting. <laughs> of like the words like comments or like expand etc cetera, etc cetera, down the line um because it's a very short story but i did find that really interesting to kind of take a moment to say all right this is not our usual kind of fic that we do on the pod but it is a pretty expansive genre of fic that i feel like it's such a pure form of fic that is just saying i want more of this and i want it a tiny bit different but i want to stay in it and i want to stay in the feeling it doesn't have to transform aggressively in terms of plotline and story it can transform in other ways definitely i think going off what both of you said like this is a fic 
where and I feel like we often come at this especially about Yuletide fix where like we feel like we can see what the like ask was kind of even if we don't know exactly but I think we can like imagine a number of asks it could have been to like create this fic which I think is something that's so unique to the fan fiction reading experience and something that I enjoy so much um like it really just like I think heightens that feeling of fan fiction being a community experience and not just with something like Yuletide where there actually was like a request for a particular fic or type of fic to be written but sort of just in general this idea that you are creating something for this community of fans um and that yeah this one in particular I think just like really captured that feeling for me of like being written just for like the love of something and like for the fans of it. Although, again, I do think it's interesting that being said that like we could have such different reading experiences sort of from inside and outside of knowing the canon of Severance. Yeah, I'm kind of grateful that this is a fic that like we read for Fic Click and I didn't just like come across it on my own because I definitely think when I first finished it, I was kind of like, oh, like I don't really know how I felt about that, especially because like as I've said so many times on this podcast, like I just like plot a lot. <laughs> and I think because of something Nick and I were sort of talking about last night um, in our pre-discussion of like, this almost has a feeling like when you're reading Amnesia fic and you as the reader know something that the people in the fan fiction don't, I can often find that to be a frustrating reading experience. I although it. I know it's very, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Some people like really love it. I know it's like very, it can be very divisive, obviously, but like, part of that is like other people really loving it um but I kind of am glad that like reading it for fic click like forced me to sit with this fic a little bit more and like sort of revisit it today um because it just got me thinking about like all the work it's doing that I don't think I kind of gave it enough credit for on my first pass through um and I think part of what's like really interesting to me in like the world building aspect is like thinking about how frustrating it would be to like be in this world and like not know what's happening inside and like obviously like the sort of the rules <laughs> the the first part of this is a pinned post rules and faq like on many subreddits um and it sort of says like there's no discussion or speculation about the work done on the severed floors at lumen industries um and obviously like that would be something that would be like frustrating to not know about i think especially if you were like the partner or close friend of someone who was severed but also just like in general, I was thinking about like how tough it would be to be a person in the world of severance. And like, I don't know. I don't think my brain could handle the any outie stuff. And again, I was just thinking about like the reasons I go to Reddit, which are often to like go down these rabbit holes of like things I've wondered about um, or like like worries that I have, things that I can't just like find an easy answer for. Um, and I feel like I could just feel that same energy coming from like the commenters here. So I don't know, I think like revisiting it today definitely put me more in like the headspace of being someone in the world of this, which again, just goes back to like how effective that sort of genre or like subgenre of like world building fix are. Um, and yeah, it just got me thinking about it in a different way, especially when I was sort of thinking about like, what are the reasons I go to Reddit and like putting myself in like their shoes? Something else that got brought up in our pre-discussion is this idea of negative space, which we've already kind of talked about, but it's the fact that by nature of the severance process and the fact that like these posts are obviously coming from people who are outies, the nature of talking about like severed people or like what the consequences might be of like 
having kids when you're severed, it's talking around a thing because you can't actually talk about it. And so again, this idea of negative space of there's a lot of gaps in this fic that you just sort of have to fill in yourself, either with your knowledge from the canon of the show or just whatever assumptions you are making as somewhat uninformed readers like Nick and I. But when I was first reading this fic, there are a couple posts that allude to things like not really being great in Lumen. There's the one about the allergies where it's like, yeah, it felt like I was crying, but it was just allergies. And then there's somebody else who's like, yeah, I've been having like a problem with my arm, but my doctor says like, I should just ask if they can like give me a more ergonomic setup in my office and that should be fine. And I was like, besties, why is everyone being so casual about this? Like, I know that I'm a little bit biased because I've seen a couple episodes of the TV show and it has ominous vibes, but why is nobody like, wow, that's weird. And then I was thinking about the fact that um, one of the first things that stuck out to me reading this fic when I was reading through the rules and the FAQ, like a good Redditor. Yes, that's the word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In the FAQ, it says, is this sub run by Lumen Industries? And it says the mods are Lumen employees, but the subreddit is not affiliated with Lumen in any way. And nothing said here is attributable to Lumen or its management. And I was like, yikes, there's like no way that Lumen is going to allow stuff on this subreddit that is is even like mildly inflammatory. And then I kind of had forgotten that fact. But as I was thinking about the like, why is no one more alarmed by employees talking about like coming out of the office with inexplicable injuries? It's because... I'm sure that there were comments where people were like, hey, like, have you ever been allergic Mm -hmm. to a coffee creamer before? Like, do you normally have allergies? Like, this feels kind of weird that, like, all you got was, like, a post-it note saying this is what happened or whatever. And any comment like that is probably immediately, like, deleted. That person is banned from the subreddit, whatever. And so, again, I was thinking about negative space in terms of uh, some of the things that I was like, why is this not present in this fic or in this subreddit? is because it, like, by nature could not exist there because it wouldn't be allowed to. Yeah, one of the things I said to my co-hosts last night was, like, there's no way Lumen ever allows this (laughs) subreddit to exist. But, like, Reed just got me thinking about the fact that, like, they totally would if it ends up being a relatively, like, pro-severance subreddit. And I'm sure there's, like, other subreddits that are, like, talking about what's posted in this one r slash like regretfully severed or something (laughs) yeah like in a much more like conspiracy minded way because like how could you not um and like there's so much of that sort of conspiracy tension in the show like from people who are outside of lumen um and and inside but like especially from people who are like in their audi personas um so yeah that i was just that was really interesting because I was like, this could never exist. And it's like, yeah, it could if it's propaganda. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I was thinking so much about negative space and like what isn't said because some of the ominousness of this particular story, which is generally pretty lighthearted, is the fact that we don't and can't know what's on the other side. And so there is speculation and the speculation then creates this shape. Like the more and more and more we start to understand what isn't spoken of, we start to see the borders of it and we start to see the edges of it. And it reminded me of this kind of through line in quite a few kind of poems and written works that I enjoy. That is specifically around like, okay, the center of the poem, the hard thing is the thing that you can't actually say, you can't give words to. When Robert Bly wrote, and those of us who make up poems have agreed not to say what the pain is. And when Virginia Woolf wrote, what matters is precisely this, the unspoken at the edge of the spoken. And when Caitlin Seal wrote, if you walk into a room and you notice what's missing, it's still there, isn't it? It's about the thing that you can't see. 
And the fact that you can't see it reveals what it is. Are you just on a page of like quotes about poetry or like things that are missing from poetry? (laughs) I literally had to find these quotes to attribute them correctly because they are all quotes I had memorized at one point or another in the last 10 years. Mm. I was like, who who the hell said the thing about the making up poems? It was Robert Bly. (laughs) But it is important. Like, these are all, these are scraps of things I've saved over the years. And I just really, it feels so fun to me to be able to take this concept and put it on a Reddit fic about the TV show Severance. But it's also so real to be like, okay, the thing that physically cannot be spoken about is the center of this story. We just can't see it. And the fact that we can't see it is what makes it the center. So I like that. And I think that that really made me appreciate what this story was doing because in so little space it does still manage to kind of skirt around the edges of something very big and kind of frightening that we don't get answers on i don't know maybe i'll tune in for severance season two without having seen (laughs) season one if it ever comes out no you have to no no Why are you hurting me? Brenda's face is in her hands in distress. I don't know. I thought she wanted me to watch more shows that she likes, but I guess not. Yep. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even worth arguing about. Fick, like, let's weigh in on which one of us is the asshole in this situation. <laughs> that was our charming and delightful discussion of R slash Severed, a fic that has the surface of still waters and perhaps Nessie underneath. We don't, don't know. Don't put Nessie there. I love her. <laughs> oh, sorry, girl. <laughs> sorry, queen. <laughs> There's something under there. We don't know. I assume I assume when we're talking about Nessie, we're talking about the actual Loch Ness yeah, monster, of right? Course. And not like the, the baby from <laughs> oh, Breaking oh Dawn my or whatever. God, I going to say and not Nile Flash. I cannot make another Nile <laughs> Nessie, Nessie. Nessie edit there has already been one spoiler without context no no I meant the horrible baby no don't put the Loch Ness monster in conjunction with severed I love Nessie the Loch Ness monster she is yeah, my bad, so good my there's something under there and it might just be unending dark corporate greed but we don't know I thought you were going to say eels <laughs> <laughs> that's it next fic <laughs> I, Vulcan M, got in big trouble for mutinying on my last ship, got sent to a place that's very cold and I taste the weather, (laughs) and now I'm thinking about mutinying again. Am I the asshole? My fic for this episode is 10 Degrees Below Zero by Kianspo. Uh, shout out to a friend of the pod, M, for wrecking this to me a few months ago. It took me a while to finish it um, <laughs> because I'm just a slow reader these days. Uh, but obviously I enjoyed it because here we are. So thank you for that recommendation. This is a fic of... Uh, Loosely for the Star Trek alternate original series movies, but it's an AU within that space. So we're taking the characterization of uh, Kirk and Spock from those movies and a few other things that sort of exist within that version of Star Trek canon, but we're also making more changes to it. 
in this fic, uh, we are following Spock as he is demoted and transferred to a remote, like, Arctic base. It's actually just, like, on a planet that's pretty much all ice and snow and permafrost all the time. Um, and it seems to kind of be where rejects are sent, <laughs> um, <laughs> for for lack of a better term. Not, like... People there are competent, but they've all sort of gotten stuck there for one reason or another. Um, And Spock's actual task is to become like the new weather officer there because the weather is super unpredictable and it's really important for the base to understand what weather is going to be coming their way so they can react and prepare for it. Um, But his sort of unofficial mission that he sort of gives himself (laughs) is to work with Kirk as well as Christine Chapel to sort of figure out some nefarious goings on that are happening on the Starbase. And we get quite a lot of plot and mystery from that. A lot of the other characters that we know and love from Star Trek, either the alternate original movies or the original series, aren't as present in this fic. We do get some little cameos from Bones and Uhura, as well as Pike, but it's mostly centered on Kirk, Spock, Chapel, and then a bunch of OCs. Um, In terms of content warnings, uh, there is a fair amount of violence in this fic. I wouldn't say it's necessarily outside of the constraints of canon typical, but it's definitely on the like more violent side of canon typical um there is also a lot of mentions of people like not coping well with alcohol consumption on the base um as well as one off-screen reference to a suicide one other thing i wanted to mention is just that within the world of star trek and various star trek iterations. There is sort of space racism or perhaps you'd call it space xenophobia towards different uh, alien species. Um, This definitely comes up in this fic against Vulcans and against Spock. It's also there's also some internalized stuff regarding like the nature of Vulcans and violence that comes up, um, as well as a few comments uh, towards other species of like humanoid aliens that you have within Star Trek. I do think all of this matches up with what Star Trek has given us in its actual canon. But I did think it could be a little bit uncomfortable or jarring to read, particularly if you sort of mostly consume Star Trek through fic, which I think can soften some of those edges. I also think newer iterations of Star Trek TV shows are trying to grapple with that differently um, than maybe the original series movies or just the original series TV show. Um... So that's just like a heads up. That is something that we might talk about a little bit as we get through this, because especially for Spock, some of it does have like plot related consequences. Um, But also, I just wanted to sort of highlight that if you were going to read this fic. I had a really good time with this, as I've mentioned before, just in this, even in this episode, I love plot. This gave us a very good mystery that I was like compelled by and interested to see where it went. I really enjoyed following Spock, Kirk, and Chapel as they investigated um, and sort of developed the various interpersonal relationships. Um, but before we get more into the plot and what was going on with it, co-hosts, what were your reading experiences? Yeah, I also had a lot of fun with this fic. I would not consider myself the number one Trekkie in general or on this pod. I will give that one to Brenna among the three of us. But I have watched um, AOS and really enjoy it and really enjoy those versions of the characters. So I enjoyed being with them even in this canon divergent world. I love a case fic. I thought this one was plotted really well. It was really fun to sort of follow along, not just the mystery, but the characters themselves. I thought Spock and Kirk 
the development of their relationship was really satisfying. And then also like Christine and the other characters who may or may not be OCs. I'm assuming they're OCs, most of the people on this planet. Um, seeing the ways that they get sort of entangled in things and the way that their relationships develop as well, especially with Spock, was just really satisfying. I thought the setting of this world really did so much. I think we will have more to say in a bit about sort of setting as its own character or what it lends to a story, but it was very present and used, I think, very effectively here. And I forgot, like, how much I enjoy Spurk as a ship. I There's certain ships on this pod that are from canons that maybe I don't have the most familiarity with, but I have come to, like, really enjoy. And I'm like, every single time this story is a banger, Spurk is one of them, Wang Xian is one of them, where it's like, I just you know read the Wang Xian Star Trek AU, where they are Spurk. <laughs> <laughs> I should. Um, it's just a thing where it's like at this point I have a pretty good grasp of them as characters, um, at least for Star Trek, this iteration of their characters, and them as like a relationship. And I always find like the arc so satisfying, even in this one that was more like friends to lovers, because sometimes Spurk can be a little bit more like enemies ish or like tense. They can kind of be at each other's throats a little bit before they become friends. This one, they mm -hmm. become like allies pretty quickly. And I still found like the arc of their relationship so satisfying and good. We are, as you should know at this point, Spurksters on this pod. First oh. and foremost, always paying respect to Spurk. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. <laughs> First and foremost, <laughs> always <laughs> paying respect to Spurk. We are... <laughs> The subheading of the Click Podcast. You're so right. <laughs> this is not a mono fandom podcast, except for that we are always paying homage to Spurk. Forget Stony till we die. <laughs> so true. No. We are first and foremost always paying respect to Spurk. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed this fic as well. Um, like my co-hosts have said, I love a mystery. I love an action adventure moment. I love a case fic. I love exploration and discovery. I love discovering things alongside the characters. This is so hard to write. I actually do think mystery as a genre gets credit for how hard it is to write. But I feel like every time I read a good mystery, I'm reminded of how difficult it is to pull off, and I am impressed all over again. This definitely isn't like a noir detective Spock is on the case from the jump kind of a story. <laughs> but I liked how much there was this element of discovery alongside him. So he gets there and he's like, all right, I guess I'll be a meteorologist. I don't know how to do that, but I'll give it a go. And his superior is like, all right, here's how you tell the weather. And he just inhales the air. And goes, all right, my readings are consistently significantly more accurate than the machinery, so learn how to do this. And Spock is like, uh, hmm. well. So in the beginning, it very much is just Spock trying to get a handle on how do I do my job at all here? How do I earn any amount of respect? How do I not get tripped up by people who are trying to send me to my death because they are mean and they are racist and they hate me, but they don't even know me? But they're suspicious of me. And then, yeah, he meets people who are allies to him. And because he is Spock and he is a smart dude with a heart of gold. <laughs> I like almost looked into a southern accent at the end there. I had to really <laughs> hold it back. Which like wouldn't have been very Spock of me. Uh, but because he's Spock, he gets wrapped up in all of these things of like, okay, hello, Kirk. Um, I don't believe that you've given up on this place. I don't believe that you know how. I know this from meeting you two minutes ago because we are soulmates in this life and every other. He doesn't say that, but that's my interpretation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so they start developing this like night program to get people in school. And then through all of these ways that they're trying to improve 
the base, the star base, that's when they start discovering things. So anyway, I'm sure we'll talk more about the actual plot of it later, but I really enjoyed the progression of this story. It felt very natural. It felt like it built upon itself super well, and I thought the pacing was excellent. So lots of fun. Thumbs up from host Nick. Yay! We love thumbs up all around. Um, We love Spurk. It's just a great time over here. Yeah, I feel like whenever I'm struggling to find a fic, it's delightful to come back to Star Trek. I feel like it's such a reliable fandom for me. I, I'm scared that I'm saying this and then somehow it's going to get sniped out of my hands in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that would even like be or look like, but there's always fears that something you love will be ruined. But for now, I can happily reassure myself that the Star Trek fic space is a good one. Something I really enjoyed about this fic from the get-go is how the premise was constructed and like kind of what type of AU this is. Um, the author makes a note at the beginning that is a fusion with the novel The Vor Game, Vor spelled V-O-R, <laughs> um, by Lois McMaster Bujold. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Friend of the pod Avery is going to let me know if I'm not. Um, you, you, if you are not Avery, can also let me know. But... <laughs> Um, I don't know anything about those books other than that book is within a larger science fiction series. Um, but I do feel like maybe that helped ground some of this world building a little bit. But I think the world building was still just like really admirable and very engaging for me. I really like a fic that sort of explores other alternate options within the canon of it. Like instead of taking Kirk and Spock entirely out of the world of Starfleet, it's sort of just like making tweaks to how their Starfleet like careers could have looked. I always find that really interesting. And something I really enjoyed about the setup of this that I think has tremendous payoff later is that it's allowing Spock and Kirk to still be really competent at what they're doing. Like they as characters are two people who are just incredibly competent. And we usually meet them in in the midst of their competency at being captain and at being like science officer. Um, sometimes we meet them earlier, but we kind of know that they're going to be on the path to those things. And I like that this puts them in like a really tough position where neither of them are really like being all that like looked up to um, and not necessarily like that recognized for their competency at this horrible Arctic base where everyone kind of sucks. Um, But like they are still both incredibly competent people. But yeah, this, this puts Spock in a position where he's having to learn like a lot of new stuff and we see how well he excels at it. I mean, it's not easy by any means. Like he is presented with a lot of challenges, but he is able to overcome them. And I just really liked being able to see these things that I think are very like true facets of Spock's character shine through in an alternate setting. And one where like, he is presented with very different challenges than he sort of normally is where it's like Spock and everyone recognizes how smart and great he is. And even if they don't necessarily agree with him, they still know that he's super smart and great and a genius. And here everyone's like, uh, maybe you better learn how to taste weather, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and similarly with Kirk, like some people are definitely recognizing that he is quite smart and like knows how to do the sort of engineering job that he's been put on the space to do. But at the same time, a lot of people are like, mm, we fucking hate you. We're not going to listen to you. And we're just going to get drunk all day and sabotage your stuff. Spoiler alert, some of them are sabotaging it on purpose. And it's not just because they're drunk idiots. But we don't know that at the time. That's what that's what Kirk and Spock think at first. We learn later the truth of the matter. <laughs> but that's all to say, yeah, I just really liked how this sets up 
us getting to sort of see their characters develop in a way that I think feels very reminiscent of like the alternate original movies and like the characters we know there, but like we get to see them sort of show these facets of themselves within a completely different context. Um, but also like prove to sort of us, the reader, that they're still like the same competent Spock and Kirk and that will like pay off and then be able to sort of solve the mystery and like save the base later on. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> well, I also like it's a really different kind of AU than I feel like I'm used to reading where they are still them and they are still in Starfleet. It's Starfleet that's different. So it's not that they have different jobs. It's not that like there's a canon divergence from an actual specific canon. It's much more so that the canon as we know it has been A, taken back in time and B, just kind of like reshaped and reformed in different ways. And the characters have to navigate new challenges. It's like, it feels to me actually somewhat connected to what the R slash Severed fic is trying to do, even though those are drastically different stories. And the reason I'm drawing a line between those two stories is both of them feel like they are really interested in continually sort of reinvesting time and energy into the original source material, but taking a different angle or different perspective on it. So it's not so much, okay, this is like, like, it is a character-driven story, but it feels such a contained character-driven story that is doing a lot of world building, that is doing a lot of exploring, that has this, like, overarching plot that's taking us different places. But those places are very familiar and well-worn to us, even as the AU setting is unfamiliar. I don't know. There's something about it. This feels like it could have been, like, a novelization or something, like another alternate story where these things could have happened, another alternative origin story. I'd be curious if this kind of thing is more common in, like superhero media fic or something like that where hmm. a character can have multiple origin stories and then fic authors can play with that and choose their own as well i don't know ficlets if you know let me know because i don't well i feel like at least for me part of what makes this story feel really grounded and like you were saying nick that it could be almost a spin-off different version is the sort of i don't know that i have a better way of saying it like the underdog narrative that kirk and spock have First of all, in that the reason that both of them are on this horrible Arctic base is because in two different situations, they were like, well, my superior or like commanding officer is making bad decisions or like I'm realizing something going on and I have tried to do something about it and Starfleet doesn't like that I am bumping up against the norm. So they've sent me to exile or I've exiled myself a little bit of both for both of them. And you're seeing it play out again in this fic, even though Kirk kind of does have a position of power within this base, he's still like not like the top person. And you're seeing that familiar Star Trek story of we are the good guys trying to like do right by the people around us and we care on an individual level about the people around us and there is some greater injustice coming from the people above. But if we try to do something about that, via official channels, we are going to be summarily shut down. So instead, we're going to go off and make our own decisions that are sometimes stupid and perilous for our own safety. Even for all that I'm not familiar with every version of Star Trek, that feels like a very quintessential Star Trek theme. And so I think that also helped like root this story in the canon, even though it was an AU. Yeah, as Nick mentioned, like part of the AU of this is that this is a different version of Starfleet than like the one that we actually see in the original series movies or like pretty much any other version of a Star Trek show. Um, th this one is worse. <laughs> um, it hasn't really reached that like utopic 
version of itself that like Roddenberry originally wanted to present us with with like the original series of Star Trek and that like has been carried through and Star Trek certainly does not always succeed in like being a utopian concept but it's like it wants to always be like that's what it's interested in presenting even when it like fails to actually do so um and here it's like a much more corrupt and like sort of power hungry version of Starfleet than we see um, where it definitely still has some of sort of like the altruistic tendencies of Starfleet from like the Star Trek canon and definitely seems to be interested in some of the similar things of like creating this federation and like exploring and sort of those notions. But within its actual like hierarchy, there's a lot of like corruption and like power struggle that we're seeing play out. Um, both at this camp and like in the ways that it's affected Kirk and Spock personally, which I think is like a very interesting, like, I have always been interested in sort of like looking more at the politics of Star Trek, because it's like, how are you going to make something that's very like war based utopian? Like, I just don't know that those two things are like, possible to reconcile. And Star Trek, like, does its best. But I think there's times where it like runs up against its own sort of internal problems like with the philosophy that it's presenting and so I found it very like realistic in some ways here that like there would be people who are just out for their own good and who are out to like save their butts and like it didn't really matter what that did to other people within the Starfleet system because like that's just what you get from humans (laughs) like Star Trek is very concerned with like sort of the good of humanity and another thing that sort of like I think fails internally with Star Trek is like (laughs) you've made all the aliens humanoid and therefore them at their peak is them becoming more human which is like um but also like humans kind of suck often and Star Trek does grapple with that as well but I think this fic grapples with that like more than Star Trek is often interested in and I really like that honestly yeah, I wanted to bring into. I'm skipping us pretty much all the way to the end of the story. <laughs> Surprise, ficlets, spoiler horns. Pew, 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 pew. Okay, that's enough spoilers. Go read the fic. If you're still here, you're willing to be spoiled. So at the end of the story, if you can believe it, Spock and Kirk do sort of get together. They have their moment. It's very beautiful. I know, Brenna's so shocked right now. She can't believe that Spurk in love in every universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And part of them getting together, it's like also intertwined with their next assignment. So they're both taken on to Captain Pike's ship. He's like, let's go, baby. I need the two of you on my vessel. I got to keep an eye out because you're kind of loose cannons. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yes, you may have almost single duel, perhaps handedly ended the war with the Klingons. But that does not mean that you should do it again. Don't behave recklessly, my guys. And part of what ends up happening is while Spock and Kirk are having their little kind of moment together, chilling, living, waiting for stuff to happen, um, Kirk is given these additional assignments that are kind of ethics trainings, they're called. And Pike has basically assigned him to go into this simulation and order Spock's death over and over again in various scenarios in which that is the best option as Starfleet captain. Uh, it is traumatizing to Kirk. He does not like doing it. He's also like a little bit mean to Spock because he like, cannot handle seeing him in real life after watching him die. Um, and I was like, dang, that is like such an interesting concept. 
A, I love how it paced the end of the story. It brought in this additional new narrative tension when I was not expecting it. It felt like such a smart choice for the resolution to bring in a little edge of something that then got to be resolved. So very smart subplot. B, I was like, oh man, this is like, I'd be so curious to see what is in these trials. My lucky day, ficlets. I get to the end of the fic and lo and behold, someone has written a spinoff. I read this entire, what, 56k story today. Sorry, ficlets. I was a little behind. It's fine. I finished it and I immediately read another 10k of this spinoff. I was like, I gotta see. <laughs> and it was good. Um, wow. Content warnings for like a lot of death and peril and distress. But I really liked it. And I think that is so fun too. This sense of like AUs that build on themselves and moments that people pull out of each other's stories and then write fic of fic about it. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. So ficlets, if you, like me, were like, ooh, this is kind of dark. What is going on with that? Then you will be in luck with this particular story and one of the readers who created a different story. This is on somewhat of a different track, but related to them being in love and the development of their relationship. There is a point towards the end, right before things like really kick off, where the two of them are trapped in a bunker together because of bad weather, the bad weather being called a Wawa, which was very funny to me. Um, the Wawa is not humorous. Read yeah, the Wawa it's is deadly. Threatening. <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking about like, I don't think this exists for you guys. I think it's an East Coast thing. Like the chain Wawa that yeah, is like. I know about it. You go and you get sandwiches and like chips and stuff. Um, that's <laughs> it's a different read. No, it is different. It's like a horrible windstorm. Yeah, this is treacherous, terrifying weather. People died. Well, rip to those people. Anyway, people are dying too. Anyway, I want to talk about Spurk being in love. Okay, they're trapped in this bunker, and up to this point. Kirk has gotten like vagaries about why Spock has been relegated here, but like he doesn't really know what Spock's entire deal was like what basically got him demoted in the first place. And he's like, Spock, we're trapped here. We are in the middle of like a really high stakes mission. Like I actually need to know what is up with your backstory. And the way that he phrases it specifically to Spock really resonates with him. And Spock thinks internally, it's the way Kirk manipulates him so blatantly that makes him give up. How long have they known each other? A handful of weeks? How did this man come to know Spock so well as to be aware of exactly which buttons to press? To have the instinctive knowledge that Spock will resist any personal plea, but won't be able to overcome the concerns of duty. Who is he that he knows this about Spock? Um, which I thought was really good, but it, it like took me aback. I was like, oh my god, it's only been a handful of weeks. Because in last episode, in our discussion of Millstone, I was talking about how I don't know, Michael's with Gavin for a couple weeks and he's like, I love him. And it was like, is it insta-lovey? Yeah. Was I having a great time because it's Mavin? Absolutely. Um, but this fic, I don't know if it's because of like the complexity of the plot and just like everything else that's going around them. But I was, I was very surprised to be reminded that it had only been a couple of weeks because the depth of their relationship had been played out in so many different ways not just the romantic but again like I think getting to see them be really competent in these different roles and getting to uncover this like really intricate plot um just gave them this like really rich narrative and so it totally like rang true for me when Spock was like yeah I haven't known Kirk all that long and yet he knows me so well in a kind of mirror of what Nick was saying when Spock shows up on the planet and is like, I've known you for two seconds and I know that you absolutely would not give up on anything and that you are working very hard to make these people's lives better even if you are pretending like you have just sort of given up and you're this like, not quite nihilistic, but oh, I don't care. Like Spock is like, I see through your I don't care attitude. I know you. 
Um, and getting to see the sort of reverse of like Kirk knowing him so well just felt really satisfying. That moment also felt so D&D to me. They're like trapped underground and they have to share the backstory drop. And mm. then Kirk rolls like really high persuasion. <laughs> and Spock is like, okay. When you go to camp and then you get like a cutscene with one of your companions in Baldur's Gate. <laughs> oh, of course. I thought you were going to say it felt like D&D because it had only been a couple of weeks, as in the That's fact that our, our D&D campaign that we just played our 100th session, we've been playing for five and a half years, and I think it's like been three months um, in-game. Um, like, yeah, our, our characters are ride or die for each other. Uh, they've known each other like 10 weeks or whatever. They've been through a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, if we've played like 100 sessions, and we sometimes get through a day in a session. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes months. we get it through a day in a couple sessions. <laughs> then, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I also just want to give a shout out to my girl, Christine Chapel in Hell this yeah. fic. We've talked a lot about the boys, and the boys are important, but she's also important. She is sort of the third main character uh on this remote base and the third sort of character that we get who's actually like from canon and not an OC. Um, if you're like, Brenna, I've seen some Star Trek, but like who the hell is Chapel? Um, she, <laughs> in the original series, she is a nurse on the Enterprise who's sort of like the right hand to Bones. Um, and then she is also a main character in the newer TV show, Strange New World, where she is a nurse on uh, Pike's ship. And she sings in the musical episode. She does, yeah. Um, I've had that song stuck in my head all discussion, just so you know. I cannot stop singing. I don't like, even remember what it's like, so don't sing it. No, 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 no. I appear to be singing most unusual, so peculiar. I can't even believe you remember this. I, I like watched how. the video we watched at the panel, and then I watched the whole episode, and like I still wouldn't have remembered what the song all was. All stable. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Nick is, like, really gunning for the musical episode uh, bingo square to be checked off. I'm not. I want to be free. It's in my brain. <laughs> yeah, so I know Chapel a little bit more, actually, from the Strange New World series, but I was delighted to see her show up here. I think it was, like, a really smart choice to choose her because... She's in a position on the Enterprise where, like, she is a little bit lower. You know, she's not, like, a commanding officer. Um, but she's also still, once again, incredibly competent. And they've sort of stuck her on this stupid Arctic space station that everyone hates. And she's like, I know so much to get certified in all these things, but no one will let me. Um, and I'm really smart and I'm really cool. And I'm Christine Chapel, And I have a little crush on Spock, but I won't let it get in the way <laughs> of me helping solve the mystery. And she does help because she's badass and i just appreciated that like even though we sort of removed kirk and spock from most of the sort of standard enterprise crew um we still got a little flavor of someone else who could be a badass woman um because i know we talk a lot about like the like mm fix sort of shitting on their women or pushing them to the side and yes christine's crush on Spock is unrequited, but you know, she'll find someone else. I believe in her. Um, again, she's cool. She's hot. We love her. Once she's off this starbase, the potential is endless. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just appreciated her a lot as a character. And I think she helped like balance the sort of Kirk and Spock of it all as well. And like contributed in some very cool ways to their investigation. I like how much all three of them were like, stop. 
you can't be involved. I am going to take <laughs> yes. on all of the peril myself. And all three of them individually are like, yeah, fucking fat chance. Do you know anything about me? Like, they all have some iteration of this conversation with each other, which was so good. It's so good. And at one point, uh, Spock has to sort of face his hypocrisy because he's like, I told her not to get involved. And Kirk is like, uh-huh. <laughs> you sure did. And what happened, Spock? Is it the thing that happened when I told you not to get involved? <laughs> Perhaps. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it was really fun to see the parallels between the different relationships. I think she was a great foil um, to both Spock and Kirk in different ways. Um, and agreed. I just thought she had such fun scenes. What a great character. We love her. Thank you for tuning into our discussion of 10 Degrees Below Zero. This is a very fun, fast-paced action-adventure mystery Star Trek fic compounded with some slow burn relationship stuff that I, I just loved everything about it. Um, I Everything worked so well for me. So if you are a Star Trek fan, particularly of our alternate original series characters, um, I would definitely recommend this one to you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this regular episode of Fit Click. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, as always, there are a couple of places you can find us on the internet. You can email us at fitclickpod at gmail.com. You can email us about anything, but especially if you write um, like an academic <laughs> paper with citations based off of one of our episodes, we would really welcome that. Um, once again, thank you, Minna. That was a treat. Uh, but you can contact us there for pretty much anything. You can also find us on Twitter at FitClick. And also on Twitter, you will find the link to our Discord where cool people hang out and talk about fic and fandom and things that they are making or baking or cooking. And it's just really lovely over there. Alternatively, if you are not someone who likes to directly interact with uh, podcast hosts, but you do still want to support us, there are a plethora of ways that you can do that. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. If it has a review, you can do so, uh, which really helps sort of boost our little pod out into the world. You can also send us some money via Ko-Fi if you feel so inclined, ko-fi.com slash fitclick. Any amount that feels comfortable to you, we will always appreciate. Our next episode will come out on March 15th, and it is in the format of a For Your Consideration. So Reed will be bringing us a lovely, longer-than-our-usual story to discuss. Reed, what are you bringing? Yeah, I am so excited to be making both you and the Ficklets consider the fic Rubicon by Marionettes. It is for the fandom Fire Emblem Three Houses. I do not think this should be a surprising choice to anyone. Um, also unsurprising, the pairing is Felix Sylvain, but it is also tagged for Dorothea and Sylvain, and I think both of those relationships hold fairly equivalent weight. It is a figure skating AU. It is 165k, so definitely longer than our norm. Um, it is a sports AU that does not skimp on the sports and also many other things. This fic really made me go through a plethora of emotions, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Ficklets, if anyone wants to send me a goat, I think that would be pretty cool of you. Okay, bye! Upvote me, Ficklets! Bye! <laughs> Ficklets, is my unemployment era almost over? I've just gotten a job offer at a weird Arctic space base. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> no, Brenna, don't take it. <laughs>